Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 217- Two nine five zero seven two three. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Growth Circle Podcast. I'm Jake, your host, and I'm here with my co-host John Mitchell. What's up? This is John Mitchell. Jake, welcome back. How are you feeling today? Pretty good. I'm excited to have Dan the Man Turkel on the show. He is a real estate agent and an investor, and we're going to be focusing mainly on the burr method which we'll go into that in this today in today's episode dude this podcast is gonna be fire i have a feeling uh, i've heard a lot about dan he's an awesome dude uh just a quick fact i ran across today a little statistic for you uh only 26 percent of small business owners said that they had a bachelor's degree uh only 17 went to college 20 percent graduated high school but did not go to college and five percent didn't graduate high school so I thought that was pretty interesting statistics. What's your take on that? I say our education system sucks and uh, true entrepreneurs end up quitting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish my degree. I still got 16 credits left and I said, oh, heck with it. I finished high school, but I think I may have slept through like freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Which is funny because you're making more money than most people with degrees. Hmm. Hmm. Weird how that works out. Weird how that works out. <laughs> That's besides the point. So today's episode, we're going to be talking mainly about real estate investing, specifically the Burr method. John, tell us what the Burr method is. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, rest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Repeat. I was waiting for it. I knew you were yeah. going to do it. Repeat. Yeah. Dan's going to tell us all about it. So what do you say, Jake? Be Welcome a good day. today's episode. Let's go. All right, Dan Turkel, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, I actually Dan. introduced I actually introduced you earlier as Dan the Man Turkel. <laughs> I'm all right with that. That fits better. <laughs> What's up, Dan? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit, like give us a brief overview uh, of yourself, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the stuff you got going on. Sure, sure. So I uh, grew up in New Jersey, born and raised. That's where I spent about the first 20 or so years of my life went to Rutgers University over there got a degree in psychology after that I worked in a behavioral neuroscience lab for a couple years Um, we were studying the olfactory system the sense of smell Mm -hmm. and then um, at that point kind of wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go in life I didn't I knew I wanted to help others I knew I wanted to really have an adventure Um, And I really just wanted to take some time away from everything and everyone I knew to get to know myself better. So I ended up joining the Peace Corps. So I ended up serving as a Peace Corps volunteer in Albania for 27 months. At the time, my wife was going- 27 months? 27 months, yeah. So at the time, my wife was going through med school. 
So she's over in New York going through med school. We got a six hour time difference. I'm in Albania learning how to speak a different language. And it ended up being probably one of the best, if not the best experience of my life. Really? Um, what was, a, what about it was so great? The culture being immersed in the culture. I was, or? I was really in the first, for the first time in my life, I was really given an opportunity to kind of turn inward and rely on myself in ways that I never had to before. Mm -hmm. And that enabled me to really become more the type of person I wanted to be, cool. if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a sink or swim thing. Like mm -hmm. when you're out there, it really hits you in a different way. I encourage everyone to try and live overseas for yeah. at least some portion of their lives. I, I think doing that definitely opens your eyes to uh, a lot of things because, you know, I've been to Afghanistan yep. and, and a few yep. different other countries and it really just opens your eyes. And I think it makes you more grateful, too, for all that we have. Really I think we does. take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. It totally changed my whole worldview. Yeah. So when I got back, um, I still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but... Um, that's when I heard about a little book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> and that's when everything changed. Yeah. Felt like Neo in the Matrix. I feel uh, like that book gets brought up dude, in every interview we do. Every time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We're starting to become like a Bigger Pockets podcast. It seems like we're talking about real estate. <laughs> this is more better than, than Bigger Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> this is larger pockets. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so anyway, I ended up reading that book. Uh, it just totally clicked with me. So then I ended up um, starting to go to some real estate investing groups in New Jersey. Didn't really feel like I was that good of a fit in any of them. So I ended up partnering up with a guy and we created our own. So we created the Northeastern New Jersey Real Estate Investors Association. We ran And at that. this point, have you, you hadn't invested yet? No. no. Did, cool. did you have your real estate license at this no. point? Okay. No. Right in. This was more of our opportunity to just kind of like bounce ideas off people. Sure. I mean... That's when I was starting to develop a passion for real estate investing, mm. but I hadn't really done any of it yet. So it was just kind of like a cool way for me to just learn more. Did you have a job at this point? Were you doing anything yeah. else? So at that point, I was a recruiter okay. with the Peace Corps. So I, I was a volunteer from 2013 to 2015. Then when I got back, I was a recruiter also for the Peace Corps. So I would go into different universities. I was the main guy for... Uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York. So and then go, you had your sugar mama doing <laughs> <laughs> doing the, the doctor thing. <laughs> well, at that time, she was still in residency. Oh, yeah. So, so she, yeah. she was in residency, and then I was working as a recruiter. And then that's when kind of like the seeds were being planted mm -hmm. in my mind for, you know, that, that journey that lay ahead. So we um, ended up doing a little bit, my partner and I who created that real estate group, we um, did a little wholesaling with lease options, which mm -hmm. was a little unique in retrospect. I know not too many folks are familiar with that. And there were these things called sandwich lease options that we mm -hmm. would try and do. And we dabbled a bit with that for a while. We hired a virtual assistant for that and um, it definitely helped. But I eventually realized I just didn't really wanna do that type of investing. So then we, she finished med or her residency program and we were like all right we're ready to go somewhere new we ended up going to springfield and uh that's when i got my license in so, real estate. so how'd you land on real estate from the peace corps when you came back how did you what what led you to just starting the real estate that book really? that's, just that's, that's all there is to it wow. well really my dad had a friend who was told that he basically got his dream job he had the perfect offer and he did not take it and that really piqued my interest mm -hmm. i was like why would this guy turn down his dream job 
he tells me, well, he read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, <laughs> and he's going on a totally different path now. And I'm like, what the heck kind of book would cause him? Because this job was like pretty much 10 out of 10. Wow. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going for that. <laughs> and that re- made a really big impact on me. Then the book made an even bigger impact on me. And I knew I, at that point I really wanted to focus on, you know, trying to gather assets versus liabilities the whole rich dad poor dad thing and that's when i just continued to learn more and more and when my wife first considered the idea of moving out here to springfield i was like what (laughs) i'm like (laughs) springfield missouri like i didn't know anything about it but when i began doing research i realized it's actually a pretty good market to invest in so I warmed up to the idea of it. We ended up moving out here. Just so our listeners know, that's a lie. This is not a good market. Don't come out here. No, yeah, actually, kidding. I took that back. <laughs> Wait, abundance mindset. Yes, yes. So Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. It's spring. It's yes. spring. It's yeah. It's not Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> so um, yeah, I ended up getting my license when I first moved here, and then at that. Well, actually, I was kind of at a crossroads. I was thinking I'm either going to go full-time wholesaling or full-time agent. And I just decided, let me go the agent path. It seems like there's more structure to it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did for the first six or eight months. Not too much really happened, but I was putting the work in that I needed. I was doing my lead gen, as we call it, Mm -hmm. to get to the point where I am now. So, um, yeah, it, it ended up really blossoming. And over that time... I created two businesses, one as an agent and one as an investor. And on the agent side of things now, I'm about to clear over 5 million in volume for this past year. Good for you. And um, before Christmas, we will close on our sixth burr of this year. So we've, yeah, we bought six houses and I've cleared over 5 million and I'm like, Let's go, dude. Let's That's keep sick. It going. <laughs> I want to back up for a minute because I think that a lot of people would have given up at the point that you said you were going at it for eight months mm-hmm. and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. How did you push through? So I happened to stumble upon a YouTube channel that is it's created by a guy named Ricky Carruth. He is the top agent in Alabama Mm. and he became really somewhat of a role model for me I'd say he built his business upon a series of principles and beliefs that really aligned with my own Mm -hmm. and he made it clear that you know if you follow his program he's a free coach by the way for the aspiring agents out there look him up I highly recommend him Ricky Carruth his program is called Zero to Diamond, totally free. And um, he really convinced me that if I practiced what he preached, I would find the success I was seeking. Mm-hmm. And it worked. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. Um, and actually, you recommended me Slight Edge, which is actually probably one of my favorite books. And mm-hmm. it goes along with, you know, Compound Effect mm-hmm. uh, and a, mm-hmm. a few other books. But that principle of consistency you did it for eight months consistently Mm -hmm. pounding the pavement Mm -hmm. and at some point all of a sudden you saw that growth curve hit and business took off exactly so that's awesome that's that's crazy dude so i know when i was trying to get into real estate it's like a very like i feel like for agents it's like people around you that you know is sort of like your start so family friends is your start dude 
I think it's crazy how you came out here, didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. and just blew it up. That's nuts. That's why I needed a system like Ricky's to really get started because when we moved here, we knew zero people. Mm-hmm. Aside from some of the uh, people that my wife was going to be working with, which we barely knew in the first place, we didn't have any friends or family. So it was like, honestly, there's kind of a silver lining to that because I didn't have those distractions. You sure. know, if I was back in New York or New Jersey, yeah. I'd be like, hey, what's going on, man? Are you trying to hang out this weekend? But <laughs> now I'm like, let's work. You yeah. know, let's just get it done. So. Yeah. What do you feel like? What was the system that you felt like helped get to your success? Because you and I have talked before, and I know you kind of have a morning routine that you do. Mm-hmm. What was that system? What What did it entail that you consistently did that eventually just hit that growth curve and you started seeing some things happen? In terms of the, the lead gen itself? Yes, like, yes. Or just in, in your business in, mm-hmm. in general. So on a daily basis... Basically, I'll kind of lay out what my schedule is or what at least it used to be until it got me so busy that I don't really (laughs) I'm not as good with the schedule anymore. But um, something Gary Keller says is that it's not about real estate. It's about following a schedule. And if it's not on your schedule, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So with that mindset, I went into it. So for me, um, every morning I wake up at about 645 or so. I... um, always have a hot cup of water first thing i always wake up feeling dehydrated so drink some warm water then i uh meditate i'll meditate every monday through friday for about 15 minutes or so and i do it in a way where i follow this practice called ziva z i v a Mm -hmm. highly recommend googling that it's a really simple straightforward way of meditating where you use it's kind of like a trifecta where you have mindfulness meditation and manifesting Mm -hmm. and the core of it is that you use it like a mantra Uh and that really gets me into the right headspace for the day because i have so many things going on it's easy to it's it's really easy it's hard to shut my brain off i guess is what i'm saying so that meditation enables me to kind of just like calm it all Mm -hmm. down so then at that point It'll be about 7.30 or so, and I'll have breakfast, and then I will do my journaling, which I don't always feel like doing, Mm -hmm. Um, but over time, I kind of developed my own technique with the journaling, where I use an online journal to Uh just, I really don't like writing pen and paper, so Uh I'll go in this online journal, and I'll write G-P-A on three separate lines, and G stands for gratefulness, P is something positive and A is anything else. So <laughs> I like that. For, GPA, yeah. yeah. So uh, for the G, I write three things that I was grateful for mm-hmm. in the past 24 hours. That's unique. I don't just say, oh, I'm thankful for my wife or something. I, right. Oh, it forces me to, to be to think about it. Grateful. And there's studies yeah. show that like that's a proven way of just developing your your happiness yeah and things like that mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's a direct correlation between your gratitude and your happiness for sure 100 yeah. percent. so so that's the g then for p it's just anything positive that happened in the past 24 hours and sometimes i'll sit there and struggle for a bit and i force myself to think through that and a lot of times i'm like i want to get past the journaling part because i, I got stuff i want to do <laughs> right right but i'm like no i'm going to be consistent with this and i'll sit there until i finally think of something i'll write that down and then 
for anything else, it's just, you know, whatever. Normally, I just write about what's going on in my business and stuff. I think that's another key to mm-hmm. success is doing consistently doing the thing that, you know, needs to be done even when you don't want to do discipline. it. Discipline. I, yeah. I was just so, thinking the, the amount of discipline to, yeah. to do that. So at Keller Williams, we have this um, – one of the, the big trainings has to do with going from E to P. So it's going from entrepreneurial to professional mm-hmm. where you – move away from what feels right mm-hmm. and you move towards proven systems and standards. Right. Our, our team leader at Keller Williams, he, his name is Tim. He, he says that you want to build a business like a boss, a business of systems and standards. Yeah. So it might not always feel natural, but if you're using those proven systems and standards, it's ultimately going to take you to that goal you want to, you want to get to. So anyway, that is um, kind of the morning routine for uh, up to that point. So by that point, it's about 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. I've done the the water, the meditation, the journaling. Then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I work out until 9. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I read whatever book I'm reading. Okay, cool. Nine. And then at 9, the floodgates open. That's sweet. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a very similar yeah. routine. Um, I actually use a planner called the Panda Planner. Oh, I I my wife you, has that. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think you and I have talked about it before yep. too, but uh, it has where you put down three things you're grateful for, uh, three things, I think it's three things that you're excited about, mm-hmm. and then you put down your priorities. So instead of the endless to-do tasks that mm-hmm. you have, put down like what are the m- most important things you can do today that lead towards your goals, and then mm-hmm. you write that down, and then there's like an end of review or end of day review, mm-hmm. um, but I like that. That's pretty good. Dude, I think... Anything works. It's just a matter of what works best for you. Right. You want to play into your own strengths and what you feel comfortable with. But the key is just doing it, just yeah. actually using something. You yep. know, the consistency is key. If I've learned anything with whatever you're doing, for it's sure. either going to take you to something you don't want in life or something you do. But mm-hmm. either way, habits tend to bring us closer to whatever our future is yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah Yeah, so when you came out here and you moved Mm -hmm. to springfield did you have intentions of becoming the real estate agent or did you come out here with intentions to wholesale my intention was solely focused on investing and i was planning on using the wholesaling path path or the agent path to enable me to become a better investor so as an agent now i have access to the mls and i have access to a network of other agents and oftentimes I'll, I'll tell them you know hey no i'll say because i teach classes at kw sure. so i'll be like at the end of every class i'm like and remember if you find a fixer-upper you can sell call dan turkel <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like That's it cool. so dude i mean i do that consistently and um I mean, I, I was able to just get a portfolio under contract mm-hmm. because of that. Wow. So, so did you? You didn't have a job when you moved here, did you? Or did you just jump right into real estate? Or did you have something else you were doing? So, when I resigned from my position as a recruiter with the Peace Corps, I knew at that point that I was going to either go all in on the agent side of things or the wholesaling side of things. So, when I actually moved to Springfield, that's when I decided, all right, I'm going to do the agent thing studied for the exam, passed it, interviewed at a few different brokerages, realized KW is going to be the best fit for me, and then just kind of pushed hard at that point. So I, yeah. I want to know, how did you get in the mindset for for listeners? How did you get in the mindset of like, you know, I don't have a job. 
Uh, obviously, people need money to live, and you're moving to a new place. So, you, I mean, shelter, food are things that you needed. How did you get in the mindset of, of going full in real estate and not trying to have something else that was going to, you know, help you and, you know, basically a plan B? What kept mm. you from going to a plan B? Because I know you didn't have anything for like eight months. You were, you know, paving the concrete, sure. like Jake said, for eight months, not getting anything. What kept you from just going to plan B? So I, I was fortunate in that my wife was also working. So, you know, call that what you want, a safety net. I mean, in many ways, I, I, I certainly was not on my own. So if I did fail, I think she would have had my back. And sure. that, that certainly gave me peace of mind. But um, at the same time, I could so clearly see where I wanted to be in, you know, five years from that point that I'm like, I was almost like it was already there. Like that was, that's part of the manifesting thing of the meditation I was talking about where you actually, it's not like you're hoping for things to play out in a certain way. You're, you're thinking about it like it's already happening and doing that on a day-to-day basis. It kind of like changes the way your, your mind works and that was kind of how it was from day one i was like i know i'm going all in on this right it's just a matter of i mean my goal is is simple or at least my my preliminary my Mm -hmm. my my first goal is to have our passive income meet or exceed our monthly expenses at which point we'll probably still keep doing what we're doing but knowing that we don't yeah knowing that we don't have to is it can make all the difference right um but yeah, once you get to that point, you probably built up so much momentum that there isn't any point in actually just stopping it all. Right. So. You know, I don't think, uh, and I just listened to a podcast on uh, meditation, and I don't think we talk about this enough uh, because it can seem very hocus pocusy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I know many people that are doing these meditations or visualizations that have um, attracted the success that they've had. Could you talk a little bit about like what you're specifically doing? Because I I believe that things are manifested spiritually mm-hmm. before they can be manifested physically. Mm-hmm. So you have to um, whatever that future goal is, you have to visualize that and attach an emotion to it mm-hmm. so that it becomes a biological change. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty similar, but it really comes down to those three. It's like that trifecta whatever you want to call it within the ziva mm-hmm. practice so the, you're just following that program. i'm really just following that it because it i need to check it works out. for me yeah ziva it's mm-hmm. made by this awesome lady in, in new york city and um does it's she have dreadlocks and wear beads no okay no. <laughs> that's <laughs> why people uh, think it's hocus pocus yeah some people it's, just give it a bad you know rap <laughs> they, they have like in-person trainings but um the main thing is it's just ziva online and it's like a 15 day course and it's it's honestly pretty expensive really but um i felt it was worth the investment and i've been doing it for i don't know like three or four years so you feel like you've gotten a return on it yeah because i think it's important for us all to kind of fill our cup so to speak Mm -hmm. before we can give to others we have to be whole i think that's one thing that people don't do enough of is invest in themselves you know everybody's you know we're so set on you know jake we want to invest in real estate want to invest in you know uh wholesaling or invest in this podcast even but you know sometimes i even catch myself lacking of like 
not taking the time to invest in myself. You know, whether it's going to the gym, reading mm-hmm. a book, whatever you do. Got to be intentional with it. Got to put it on the schedule. Sure. I mean, you really want to live a life by design, not by default. Right. And then and you got to do it this despite the opposition and you got and you're gonna have that opposition. keep going tough, day yeah. in and it's day tough. out yeah. and that is i think what you know separates a lot of the folks who don't make it from those who do is yeah oh well there's a quote out there i'm gonna butcher it but basically it has to do with the fact that like the 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 winners have lost more times no the 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 advanced real estate investor has failed more times than the beginner has ever even tried. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Something it's not, like that. it's not only there's a real another quote I have on my vision yeah. board. It says you can't obtain it's something like this. You can't obtain success without failing your way to get there. Yeah. Which I think it's the same. Yeah. Dude, same or the one that we're always talking about, be obsessed or be average. Grant, oh. Good old Grant Cardone. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love that one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your first year in real estate. So you went eight months without any transactions what did you end up doing your first year and then talk us uh, through like the growth that you saw so basically I followed Ricky Carruth's program Mm -hmm. which entails a lot of circle prospecting we call it where you're just calling folks up just kind of saying hey just wanted to see if there's anything I can help you with that kind of thing the issue with that is that you deal with a whole lot of rejection (laughs) and to do that day in and day out and not get any results from it sucks yeah (laughs) that's the only that's the only way to put it so um i just kept on doing that time and time again every day i would do it and i don't mean to jump the gun but now do you have systems in place where you're not doing as much of that or you're still i would say so yeah yeah i'm not i'm definitely not doing that as much anymore but I, i think i learned a valuable lesson while i was doing that which is something ricky caruth teaches i certainly can't take credit for it but we speak about the importance of basing your success on the actions you take rather than the results that come from them. Mm. And that was just huge for me because a lot of us, they look at, you know, what have you, what are your accomplishments? And you, they look at the end results right. of everything. And, you know, sure, there's some merit to that. But at the same time, I, I almost feel like there is more value in knowing what does someone's daily schedule look like? Right. Like I'm training a guy on my team now to do this where he's doing what I did to get to the point where I'm at. And it's tough in the beginning, but I'm telling him just, if you are putting in the work and we get specific with it, with numbers and everything, well, I have very clear goals for him. And if he does the work, I say, you are knocking it out of the park. Like this is, you are successful, right? Instead of measuring yourself on the result, you're exactly, okay. Because the results will follow. Right. They really will. If you're focusing on the actions you need to take to get there. Right. Right. So I think that's what helped me during those beginner days, you know, those first six or eight months, whatever it was when I wasn't seeing any results, I was believing that my actions were what really mattered. And it proved to be very true. That that calling, dude, that is tough. I remember when I first got into real estate, mm-hmm. I would call expired listings. It's rough. And they would have like five people that have already called them. And it's I like know. 8 a.m. in I the know. morning. And they're like, why the hell are you calling me? Mm-hmm. Like, just, they'll, dude, they'll straight up cuss you out. Oh, yeah. Yell at you. Oh, yeah. Tell you you're an idiot. I would play a game where the the meaner and louder they got, the nicer and softer <laughs> I would get. And it, it, it totally would piss them off more. Oh, but. <laughs> dude, that, that, oh gosh, that reminds me of when... Anytime I'm out on the road and someone like flips me off and 
cusses me out or whatever for whatever reason uh-huh. i just smile and wave at him because <laughs> yeah. i know it's going to get to him more than me like flipping him off back nice, you know <laughs> nice. that's funny okay so how did you what did you end up doing your first year as far as um uh real estate sold that you netted that first year oh man i i can't even remember honestly it, it was like i don't know maybe like 40 50 grand or so wow so even even with that eight months of work maybe honestly i can't remember off the top of my head mm-hmm. it was probably somewhere around 30 to 50. Okay. that's still pretty good your that's first year yeah in, for dude. sure yeah. yeah yeah i mean some people work nine to five all year mm-hmm. and make that 25 so 30 grand that's pretty good yeah. well what i love about being a real estate agent is that there's no limit to your income potential right, right? with most jobs most w-2 jobs you have a salary, and I think of a salary as a limit to your income potential. There is yeah. a cap to it, whereas yeah. in real estate or other you know commission-based jobs, there is no limit. It's it's directly correlated with what you're putting into it. You can become a billionaire real I, estate. I love how real estate you can choose your path to. Like for me, like if I were to jump back in there selling real estate, I'd want to sell farm ground, mm-hmm. and so people can kind of choose their interests. You know, you could sell yeah. investment properties. You know, Jake, you could sell million dollar homes and I can sell farm ground you know whatever there's there's an avenue for everybody everything works it really is just a matter of knowing yourself playing into your own strengths and picking something and just sticking with it for longer than you might think you should sure so let's talk a little bit more about like some of the numbers so now you're starting to get some traction with uh, being a real estate agent Mm -hmm. you're making some money I'm assuming you probably at least quadruple what you did that first year um and now you're investing in properties. Like, was it your second year as you started investing? So December, right around Christmas of 2020 is when we closed on our first deal. Uh, but COVID, that, yeah, that's dude, probably, not a, smart, say, how, that's probably that? not a smart investment, man. <laughs> how did you, how did you, uh, how'd you navigate that coming? I mean, dude, that was like a really trying time for a lot of people. So how'd you navigate yeah. through all that and come into investing in so, December? The fortune is in the follow-up. So I initially contacted the owners of this house way before COVID was even a thing. And I would just check in, check in, check in. I began to realize that there were problems with this little house. Uh, I, I think would, this is the deal I walked through, This right? is the one that we met at, yes. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I remember this house. Yeah. So um, I just kept on following up. And eventually I met with them there, told them I was interested and... You know, there were problems with the property. There were some foundation issues. I know a lot of people want to run away from those, but it was like, this really feels like a good opportunity. So um, I ended up managing to get it under contract, and we closed on it, and I was like, yeah. It was <laughs> tell, tell us some of the numbers, because yeah, I, I yeah. kind of think I remember the numbers a little bit. So I bought this one for 71 Yeah. So everything I do, I burr. I am fully convinced that the what, burr strategy is... What's the details yeah. on the house? Three bed, two so bath. this is a three bed. I bought it as a three bed, one and a half bath. Okay. And um, it's it's smaller. It's not a huge house. I think it's around like twelve, thirteen hundred square feet or so. Um, but it was in a good neighborhood, and I felt like the numbers were going to work. At that point, I felt comfortable enough in analyzing deals that I figured, hey, I think I'm at a point now where I can pull the trigger. So. Um, I bought it for 71 and I put 35 into it. So we were all in at 106. 
then I rented it out. I think we get 1200 a month on that one. Fully renovated now, new roof, new HVAC, a lot of new plumbing, um, paint, floors, all that. So again, we were all in at 106. Bank came in and it appraised at 150. <laughs> nice. So talk us through what that means because some of our listeners don't know what the Burr method is. Yeah. And just a reminder, it's uh, to buy, you know, rehab, rent, refinance, and then repeat the process. Mm-hmm. Talk us about what it meant to have that valued at 150. Would you say 155? I think it came in at 150. 150. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Talk us through that a little bit. So. The whole idea of the Burr method is that we're, we're really comparing it to the traditional method of investing where you save up 20, 30%, put that down on a house, and then move on to the next one where you got to wait to save up 20, 30%, put that down on a house, go and to the next one. And that sucks because I've done that on and all what, four of my what properties. What really sucks about it is that you have, you're, you're leaving all of your money in these properties. You can't recycle it you're just leaving it as equity in these houses because the banks require you to typically have around 25 percent equity in the house right and then that'll vary but generally speaking around 25 percent. so a lot of folks do it that traditional way you compare that to the burr method so with the burr method um, you're buying the house typically all cash or with some kind of short-term financing and then you renovate it to boost the value yeah it's um forced depreciation. Mm -hmm. Then from there, you're going to rent the property out. Ideally, you'll rent it out for where the the monthly rent is equal to or greater than 1% of your all-in price, your acquisition plus rehab costs. So at that point, once it's rented out, then you come in with the bank and you say, I want to refinance it. I want to put a loan on this house. And the reason we do that is to pull our money out of it to in order to do the last R, which is to repeat the process with the mm-hmm. same funds. So what's great about that is we call it the velocity of money, where you, you put your money out in the world and it comes back to you that much faster. So right. with like a bond or something, it would take a long time to come back. But with the Burr method, you're able to buy it, renovate it, and refinance the cash out super quick so you can do it you can get all your funds back in like as as soon as the remodel is yeah. done. Yeah, if so. the numbers work, you can almost supercharge your exactly uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a couple questions for mm-hmm. you. Uh, if you don't mind talking about how you uh, acquired the money for the first property. Sure. And then secondly, I know for somebody that's just getting in, it's super hard to get a bank to give you that refi, or it can be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, based off income, taxes, you know, we could go on all day about it, but it can be kind of hard for the bank to give you the money for that refinance. So how did you go about getting the money to buy the property? And then how did you go about getting the bank? Uh, how'd you find a bank and how'd you get them to give you the refinance? We saved, we saved up and we saved up and we saved up again with the traditional method. Folks will tend to save up 20, 30% of the property and then they go and buy one. They put right. that as a down payment. Mm-hmm. The Burr method, you save up 20, 30% and then you just save up. 20, 30% and you save up 20% and all those 20% are eventually going to equal a hundred percent. Right. And then you're able to buy all cash. And that's what we ended up doing. We just, we didn't, we weren't interested in that traditional method. So Mm -hmm. we were just super focused. I, um, my wife is not really into any of this (laughs) and, uh, in order to try and at least get her to understand why I was so into it and what my game plan was, I really I bet she's loving it now. I, I geeked out. Yeah. 
I geeked out a bit and actually created a PowerPoint to walk her. <laughs> did you hey, present Hans. it in your living room? Dude, hey, I did. Down, I, no I connected the laptop to the TV. <laughs> Heck yeah. And I, um, I had random slides with like cute animals and stuff. Just kind of like... <laughs> Keep Thank you, and please forward that to my email. <laughs> that way, I can show my fiance. You, you need to you need to create a program or some kind of um, uh, yeah, like some kind of program that you sell or a course you sell. Dude, buy or sell. To get call your... Turkel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how to get your spouse involved, or or at yep. least to like the yep. idea of investing. I, I think if you focus on the um, the goals behind why you're doing this in the first place, it's much easier for your partner to understand like why you care as much right. as you do. And that's really what I tried to do. And she was, she was on board from that point forward. She, she trusted me to handle a lot of this. So, um, yeah, we kind of just took it from there. Um, so that's how we were able to buy it was just, we were on the same page, which I think is probably the most yes. important part out of all of this yes. is being on the same page with your partner, whether that be your spouse or business partner, really being on the same page with them. Sure. And then um, and then just saving up. So that's how we bought it. And then um, what was your other question? How did So how did you go about getting the refi and how did you find the bank to yeah. do the refi? So what I always say is if you find a deal, the money will follow. So with this deal, we were all in at 106. The bank came in, they appraised it for 150. Did you get 80% of that? So 80% of That's 120. One so I could have taken 120. 120,000. Yeah, 120,000 is what I could have taken out. But I chose to just take out I think like around 108 or so. And you were um, all in at 107,000? Yeah. Yeah. So basically you had you basically I had no money left in the deal. Right. So it was an infinite cash on cash return and that's what made it in my opinion, a grand slam right. kind of deal. So essentially, you got a property for free. You got paid thirteen thousand dollars to own it, and you're getting twelve hundred bucks a month. And, and the, you had a buttload of equity in it too. Yep, yep. Yeah. And the reason that all worked is because I bought right, and that's the key of real estate investing. Make your money in my when you buy. Opinion. You got to make your money when you buy. And yeah. really, if you're listening to this and you're like, "What does that really mean?" All we're really talking about is just buying it at a low price. Yeah. <laughs> that's really all. We're talking about ideally you're going to get it for like 70% of what it's worth once it's all fixed up minus the renovation costs. So if if you know it's worth 100 grand once it's all fixed up, then think, all right, well, 70 grand minus 20 grand of renovations is going to be 50 grand. So I don't want to pay more than 50 because that enables you to have a little wiggle room. And at the end, you are all in around 70, 75% which means you can leave the 25% equity the lender's gonna want you to leave in the deal and then you can pull all your money back out. Just out of curiosity, what was the time frame, if you can remember, on that first uh, home you bird? I believe it took somewhere between two to three months to finish that renovation. So we'll just say three months. So in yeah. three months, you got paid $13,000, you mm-hmm. got an asset that's giving you $1,200, mm-hmm. minus expenses, who knows what your mm-hmm. cash flow is, but $1,200 a month, and uh, you basically have no money in it. And that was the fun part of it. Really, the work <laughs> that goes into that is everything that goes before you get to the closing table. And that is really our role as investors is to solve people's problems. Right. This house had problems. And I was able to come in and say, hey, I'll make this the easiest thing you ever did. Like, let's just 
you know, let's just make this happen. So I was able to solve those problems, got to the closing table, and that's when the fun started. That's when we were like, okay, let's go ahead and, you know, figure out a game plan for what the renovations are going to look like. And, you know, that's when the fun really started. It's interesting. The money always follows when you approach it as how can I add value? Yeah. And and that's a, the approach you're doing. It's like, how can I help you with your problem? Yeah. And, yeah. and being a solution. Well, a lot of times when we make our money, when we buy, that's we're able to because there's some kind of motivation, right. whether it be they're going through a divorce or there's there's property distress, market distress, something happening behind the scenes there. Um, but a lot of times we're able to capture that equity because there's five main ways in which you're able to make money in real estate. It's uh, through market appreciation, forced appreciation, equity buildup, equity capture, and tax benefits. Mm -hmm. Those are the five main ways. So a lot of times we're able to do that equity capture where we simply buy below market value. And that happens because of some kind of motivation on the other side. How did you how did you find that deal? Through the calls I was making as an agent. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. it's just kind of another tool in my tool belt where I'm like, hey, I can list it for this or I'll buy it for this. Nice. That's cool. Um, so, so how many deals have you done thus far? Well, I still I don't think I fully answered your question. Yeah. Though. How'd you find How'd you find the bank to do this? So, the numbers worked on it. So I went to a local commercial lender. I said, this is what I think it's going to appraise for. This is what um, I paid for it. These are what the renovation costs are going to be. They penciled it out and they're like, this is a deal. Let's make it happen. Because so, especially with commercial lenders, if the numbers work, they're going to be... That's they, also a good reassurance too because you got yeah. a second set of eyes that's like, yeah, you exactly. got a deal. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. You, you did tell them what you paid for it. Did they give you... I mean, if you would have said, hey, I want 80% of the appraised value would they have batted an eye at that you think i know i know some banks will they're like at you know especially first time they may not especially within the portfolio lending world or the commercial lending whatever you want to call it like the more of the local banks where they're lending their own money out and they're able to be more flexible they don't have to they don't have to work within the confines of what fannie mae and freddie mac have to say they're able to kind of make their own rules a lot of times with those types of banks, it really comes down to the relationship you have with them. And it's just so important to build that that track record with them, that trust. And um, I think that is ultimately what helps to seal the deal when you present good numbers. Yes, this is definitely a relationship business. Oh, 100%. Real, real estate investing is such a team sport. It is insane. I would never be able to do what I do without... My property manager, my contractor, my go-to lenders on the conventional and commercial side. I've got insurance broker, my CPA, my, my all these different people in order to pull all this off. So, yeah, dude. I've always heard your network is your net worth. Yes. Me and Jake yes. were just talking about this the other day and trying to get some systems squared away for our business. And it's crazy the amount of people that we've met just being in the business, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the past you know, I haven't been in it, but maybe seven or eight months, and we've met so many people mm-hmm. that have helped us, you know, get so much further than we could have been on our yeah. own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt. So um, let's jump forward now. So uh-huh. now you've got six burrs under your belt. Um, have all of those deals been about the same where you've had uh, cash that you've been able to pull out? Well, 
I've got to correct you because we have five burrs. Oh. We are, I, and I might have said six before because in my mind it's six, but technically we're not closing on the sixth one until just before Christmas. Gotcha. So, so six burrs. We're, we're <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're, we're going to have six Merry burrs. Christmas. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, so, um, so you were saying I was able to pull all the funds out yeah. each, each time. Yeah. So I was definitely not able to have infinite cash on cash return on all the deals. I'd say the first one, was textbook. Yeah. It was just what everyone would hope for in a burr. The second one was also really good. I think I got that one for a hundred, put another thirty into it, and it appraised for one ninety. Is that the house with the red? The red? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Red okay. One. So nice. uh, one ninety. So that one worked out super well. Um, I added a bedroom in that one. Added a bathroom, or I turned the half bath into a full bath in the first one, um, and then the th yeah the third one. The third one um, did not have as good of numbers, but it's because I knew I was buying in a very good neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I was very happy with that neighborhood. I knew it would hold its value, and it's the kind of house I'm just happy to hold forever. So um, in my mind, I'm like, if I cash flow anything, it's a good deal because it's just such a solid house in a solid right. neighborhood. So that was the third one. Then the fourth one another really good house in a really good neighborhood. That one had a lot of issues with odor. It was like smoke just permeated that mm -hmm. house. There was a lot of cigarette smoke, dog odor, just things were messed up in there. Smelled like uh, money. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Smells like money and then put some kills on everything and yeah. you're good to go. Dude, um, I, so yeah. I got it. I just, I bought a house here mm -hmm. in Springfield a couple months ago and it had been smoked in a ton. Like the walls were, looked like an orange. <laughs> and, uh, dude, we put 14 coats of kills oh on that thing before it finally got covered up all the way. I mean, dude, it was gross. Did you use an ozone machine? No, you know, I've heard somebody talk about that, and they said it will, like, wipe it out. It can help. It can really help. I would recommend looking into that, especially the industrial strength ones. Yes. It smells really bad, so you should do it, like, overnight maybe. Right. Maybe not there, but if you use kills and you use the ozone machine and you scrub the walls before you do any of that i i think that's really what can get you can it. get those pretty cheap on amazon too like they're not but maybe a 150 bucks i'd say bucks. it's worth it yeah definitely worth it yeah dude yeah. this one was so bad it was like the crap was dripping like it had yeah. dripped before yeah. and now it was just like stained on but hey look like money to me again that <laughs> that is a problem that we come in to solve that's really you know the essence i think of, of what we're talking about here um so Anyway, fourth one um, was able to have a good return on that one. The fifth one, I've got my crew as we speak working on that one right now. And that one's definitely going to have a pretty good return. I told the guy, I'm like, I followed up with this guy for two years. <laughs> and he ultimately told me that other agents contacted him, but he decided to go with me because I was consistent mm -hmm. consistency yeah. yes it really comes down to that so when i eventually was able to finally meet with them um i'm like every house i go in as an agent i ask myself should i buy this house so when i walked into the house i was like i think i should buy this house so walked through it i'm like i'm gonna give you three options option one i buy it at this price option two i buy it or no option two we list it for this price, but then you got to fix it all up and everything. And option three, you flip it yourself. So then he eventually ended up deciding to just go with me because 
it was the easy button as I call it. And you're again adding value because you're giving them options of like what's going to be best for you. Mm -hmm. So that that follow up is definitely I think that's 100 Mm -hmm. percent a key. I remember uh, first listing I got, I followed up with this guy like seven or eight times before he finally said, "Yeah, let's list it." Yep. And that was my first listing. So the follow up game is extremely the fortune important. is in the follow up. I think yeah. when you first talk to somebody, they're gonna be like, "Eh, who's this person?" But then the second, the third, the fourth time, you build that rapport, that mm-hmm. trust, they become more comfortable with you, and um, over time, it can eventually lead to, you know, a meeting, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just take it from there. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that wanted to become a real estate agent mm-hmm. or an entrepreneur? I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, what would you say to them as far as advice on how to become successful? I would say to not try and reinvent the wheel. I think a lot of people, when they're first starting out, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they... They just kind of willy-nilly try things and it quickly leads them nowhere. I think at this point, there is so much information out there. There's so many proven systems out there that if you just commit to almost any of them, it's probably going to work if you stick with it for long enough. So I would recommend reading the Burr book by David Green and just doing what he says, not trying to get fancy with it, not going you know, crazy in some weird direction thinking you're going to, you know, invent the next wave of how real estate investors invest. Just follow proven models on a consistent basis and um, base your success on the actions you take rather than the results that come from them. Have you done anything to set your par- yourself apart from anybody else who's trying to buy deals? Is there anything that you do differently or you just... Um... I I would say I feel like for me it's just doing my best to help folks feel comfortable with me and the key with that is to feel comfortable with yourself just being real with just people. being real I really feel that that is the key to you know building the type of rapport we need to thrive and sure. as agents and investors in particular people can sense when you're genuine yeah. or if, not if yeah, you're dude. able to make folks feel comfortable with themselves around you and with you, that just goes such a long way. If they are comfortable with you, they're going to be more inclined to trust you. And I feel like that tends to only happen if you are actually being sincere. For sure. Like, I, you know, I make it clear to folks when I'm buying their houses that I am buying it under market value. And for whatever reason, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons for everyone why it makes sense for them to do that. But especially as an agent, the last thing I want to do is is rip someone off, you right. know? So I make it clear, hey, we can list it for this or you can, I can just buy it from you at this price. It is below market value, but here's why it makes sense to go this way. Here's why it makes sense to go that way. What would you like to do? Yeah. And um, I'll even have them sign off on something saying, I'm acknowledging that I am selling this below market value because I don't want to pull a quick one. If I were doing shady stuff like that, I I feel like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. That's the thing is uh, real estate agents pretty much have the same uh, rapport as a car salesman, dude. I remember Mm. like when you think of real estate agent, like the normal person, they're like, 
that dude's sly. He's got something up his <laughs> sleeve. You know what I mean? <laughs> Slick Rick so, over he's here. A shyster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's sweet, man. I like how you do that. Yeah, it's just you know, it's building that rapport in person, and I always tell them. It sounds kind of cheesy now that I think about it, but with me, integrity is key. <laughs> but like, I really but, do but actually you feel that it way. And you feel it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I talk to my guys all the time because my pest control business has grown quite a bit and it all stemmed from really a few things, but super simple things is anytime we were in the home, whether it was me or now my employees do this is to make a genuine connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use this example all the time, but like some of my guys are into hunting. So if you see a deer mount, uh, you know, say, Oh, oh yeah. man, I love your yeah. deer mount. Start asking them questions, make that connection with them. And you, because you're building that relationship, sometimes that's more important to them than providing pest control. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so we talk about that all the time, but yeah, that's awesome. People want to work with people they like, and people don't. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And when you're able to build that type of rapport, which you know, oftentimes when I go in folks' homes and they're we're walking around, if I really do see something that I identify with, I connect with it. I'll you better believe I'll yeah, bring that up. Sure. And then a lot of times. It's not even about the real estate. Mm-hmm. It's just about you know who they are as a person, who right. you are as a person, connecting on that that genuine you know that yeah. real level, and then um, just kind of letting it go from there. I teach my guys. We have uh, three. We call them different things, but our daily objectives mm-hmm. that we have to do daily. And the first one is we serve. So mm-hmm. we look for opportunities, even if it's not pest control, mm-hmm. of how we can provide value or be a blessing to somebody else. Um, like my guy, one of my guys helped an old lady move a couch. We're not there to move couches. We're there to do pest control, but Mm -hmm. he, he provided that. The second one is, you know, we smile. So we have a positive, cheerful attitude. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is we learn. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly trying to improve ourselves, whether that's in specifically in pest control or just, you know, as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that's the important thing. And I learned this from actually one of my college professors. He always would go into a room and ask the question, how can I be a blessing? Mm. And I always, I like that. that always just stuck yeah. with me. Yeah. So awesome. cool. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, before we do, what does the future hold for Dan, the man Turkel? <laughs> well, here at the growth circle podcast, I intend to continue to grow. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. That's what this is all about. <laughs> I mean, the sky's the limit. Like we were talking about before. I just, I, I love that there's no, limit to our potential you know again with the salary jobs Mm -hmm. no matter how hard you work probably still going to make the same amount not that money is everything but within this context you know if you are working in a job expecting your income i would rather you know not have a limit to that so as an agent i am building a team Uh, i already have one guy on my team it's not formal yet but it's going in that direction and i think we will probably formalize it in the future, if things continue to go well, I might have someone else join too because it's all about automating and delegating. So, um, especially since we're expecting a child soon, yeah, uh, I really <laughs> recognize the importance of stepping back from the business. And you definitely will begin to recognize the importance as soon as that little booger pops yeah, out. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what are you so, going to call the team? Um, I'm not exactly sure yet. I threw around the the name DT Realty, uh, but I don't really know for sure yet. I've got to still think about that. But um, continue to grow on the agent side by 
expanding the team out. And then on the investing side, just continuing to take deals down, keep it going until that cash flow meets or exceeds the monthly expenses. You Do know? you have a number of houses that you want to burn the next year? I wouldn't say so. Um, it's more about, you know, however many houses it takes to get the cash flow up to what we would like for it to be. But it's just the key is continuing to buy those assets over liabilities. I heard someone the other day, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that most people live their lives in a way where it's as if they're playing Monopoly and they only collect money when they pass go and get their $200. They don't buy any houses. Mm -hmm. Who would play Monopoly that way, right? Nobody. But in our world, in the investing world, you know, every one of those houses we pick up is just one step closer to financial independence. And um, I think it's just a good way for folks to think about it. Like, why would you even play that game if you're only going to collect $200? And that's, that's a paycheck, right? People just get their paychecks. They're not investing any money in assets. It's just all going into liabilities. Right. right. So. Well, cool. Yeah. So what we're going to wrap up and go to the the last segment of our podcast episode, we call it the final three. The final three. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first question is, is uh, the most recent book you've read and uh, what's one thing you've learned from it? So you actually already mentioned it, uh, The Slight Edge. You're rereading it? I, I actually am going to be rereading it pretty soon. It's kind of like the next book on my shelf. I'm reading Vivid Vision right now, but um, I intend to reread Slight Edge pretty soon. And um, I think that one in particular made a really big impact on me. I know we spoke about it before and it just makes so much sense. The, the, it's all about the power of um, simple things you do every day and how they add up over time. The power of simple actions repeated every day is really what it comes down to. And if you're able to be consistent, you know, that will bring you to the success you seek. And that's really what that book is all about in a nutshell. He explains it way better than I do, but um, it really resonated with me. And I think that that, the the lessons I learned in that book really enabled me to, you know, get to the point where I'm at now. Yeah, that's a fantastic book. And I am so grateful you recommended Mm -hmm. it to me. I read other books with the same concept or principle, but Mm -hmm. that book was it's probably by far my favorite book. Yeah, it really is so. amazing. Mm-hmm. Dan, the next question is, what is your favorite flavor of Kool-Aid? <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding. Man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's the greatest piece of advice you've been given? So, for me, I think, for me, it's probably going to be that relationships should be thought of as being 100-100 and not 50-50. I think a lot of folks, when they're in a relationship with someone in business or in life as your spouse, they think of it like, oh, it's you know, kind of like a 50-50 partnership, and they expect the other person to hold up their end of the deal. I, t- I, I just talked the- to John about this a little bit ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm personally of the mindset that both parties need to go into it 100 hundred on each side and that that shift in mindset that way of thinking about things i think is really setting up that relationship for success with zero expectations zero expect you are 
going to give it your all every single day without expecting anything in return. And it comes around. Yeah. What comes around really goes around. It, it does. does. Did we just ask the principle you strive to live your life by? That's not the one. No, do we skip that I one? I think we skipped it. We did that order, but that's okay. So <laughs> the third question, which is normally the second question, uh, what is one principle you strive to live your life by? Uh, so for me, I feel like I would say it's to always be giving. Giving in a variety of different ways. Giving of my time, of my money. It really just providing value to as many people as I can. I'm the tech trainer for my office, so I teach two classes a week, providing value in that way as an investor and helping to solve problems like the ones we spoke about before, providing that value to people in that way as an agent, certainly providing a lot of value to folks. Um, soon to be father, I'm sure I'll be providing a lot of value to my little one. Whole new growth All man. these people are having kids, dude, and I'm still engaged, man. <laughs> waiting on the day. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I feel like for me in life, it's it's really all about giving back. That's sure. part of what fires me up about investing so much is that it's going to enable us to give back in ways mm -hmm. that we would have otherwise never been able to. You know, I have this dream of one day starting up a clinic somewhere in Africa and going nice. there in the yeah. winters here, going there and really just you know, having that adventure while at the same time giving We've back. talked about this before, was once you take care of those hierarchy of needs, you know, the food, shelter, yeah. you know, all that, you get to a point where you're in a financial position that you can have impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, and I even, I uh, shared this thing on Facebook the other day, if you're a good person broke, you're gonna be an even better person rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's nice. really hits home, especially for me, like, Man, dude, for the people that want to do good in this world, the people that are broke when they get rich, they're going to mm -hmm. really make yeah, a big impact. Money is not the root of all evil. People always they, mm -hmm. they say that wrong. If they you actually it. go back, they, they, that's not what it is. Uh, you're an evil person whether or not you have the money. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not the root of all evil. It's a, it's a tool that enables you to be more of what you are, whether that's evil or good. You yeah. know? Well, it's the, the love of money. Yeah, the yeah. love and of money the love is of the root of all yeah. evil. Yeah, yeah for but sure. I, from what... I gather from most people that want to be in a good financial position, it's not the love of the money, it's the love of the freedom and, and then ultimately the impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it's so, all about. Yeah, man. A lot of opportunity in this business. Cool. So, Dan, where can people find out more about you? So, I've got my Facebook page. Um, if you just look up Dan Turkel Realtor on Google, you're, you're going to find it right there. Um, I personally think one of the best decisions I've made in this whole journey is joining Keller Williams. So if anyone wants to chat with me about that, feel free to reach out anytime. My email is danturkel, D-A-N-T-U-R-K-E-L, at kw.com. I'd be happy to chat with you about that. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Perfect. And we'll put links in the description so people can uh, hit you up that way. Awesome. Dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was dope teaching us a little bit more about how to be better burr investors. I still haven't gotten one under my belt, but we'll get there. Hey, in time. buy or sell, call Dan Turkel. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Growth Circle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, connect with Jake and John on Instagram at Jake Engledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.